0: IOX is supported by you and the following underwriters Sam's and Fleischmann's. Sam's Country Store, Deli and Gas Station. Open every day for groceries, Mexican herbs, local craft beer, and with food to go, sandwiches, tortas, and tacos, and tamales on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sam's on Main Street and Fleischmann's. Sam's Country Store, NY.com. Totally Good Time on Main Street in Margaretville for graphic tees and sweatshirts with nostalgic phrases, humorous designs, and Catskills whimsy. Novelty items inspired by classic movies, TV, and pop culture. Open Saturdays from 11 to 5. Totally Good Time, Main Street in Margaretville. On Instagram at Totally Good Time and at TotallyGoodTime.com. The Mountain Eagle, the community newspaper and website serving the Catskills region, covering Delaware, Schoharie, Green, and northern Ulster counties, with local reporting, regional events, school sports, letters, and features, all in the Mountain Eagle. WIOX Roxbury is supported by you. And a really easy way to support WIOX is to donate your car or truck, one that you don't need anymore. You know, the one sitting out in the backfield or off the side of your driveway. We'll get the old clunker out of the way at no cost to you. But it could be worth hundreds of dollars to support WIOX. Learn more about WIOX Vehicle Donations at wioxradio.org thank you
1: Good evening. You're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable Channel 20, and... 1075 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones. This is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7, we talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight, we've got uh, myself, John, in the studio. Zane's here in a familiar voice. Every third Wednesday of the month, we have Mr. Gary Mead. What's going on, guys? Hey. Go
2: ahead, Zane. Well,
3: what are you up yeah, to, Zane? doing
2: good. Uh, a lot I have, of
3: different things.
2: I haven't seen Zane in a while. But, oh yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, it has been a little bit. I think it's been at least uh, four
3: months. <laughs> yeah, but in hiding. Hiding.
2: <laughs> yep. working you, his butt off. What have you been doing,
1: Zane?
3: Uh, well, I've had a couple close calls. I was in a member's field and I stepped on almost stepped on two uh, paper wasps wow. nests in the ground. Yeah, wow. so those were pretty interesting. Did you get uh, swarmed? No. Oh. They uh, they were a little agitated, but uh i just kept my distance yeah a little later in the season they get they get angrier but i've seen a lot of insect life around i can't help but attribute it to all this rain i've seen a lot of ants that are flourishing and uh yeah
2: yeah it makes it incubator for them yeah
1: all that moisture
2: especially all the dampness
1: yeah cool what about on your your own time what have you been doing other than uh, where's that on your own time you've been stepping on uh no. on business <laughs> i've been uh, i got some trail cameras set up
3: in my place i've been watching how the deer move and i've been uh, seeing a couple uh, young bucks uh i catch on video um they still got the velvet on their antlers but uh um yeah just seeing how they move around the property there
1: yeah yeah they'll hold that velvet bigger ones start losing them first week of september little guys second week sometimes they'll hang on to the third week of september
3: yeah along one of their trails um there's uh, two big logs there and they were just covered in uh coral fungus so i set up a camera right in front of that um and i watched them as they came up on it and they were kind of shocked and uh confused a bit and they they uh, browsed a little bit of it
1: mm-hmm. and, yeah. and moved on he had a camera in front of um, a dead snag it wasn't the purpose for it but um it just happened to be there and it fruited i don't know what it was because i wasn't there I, I set out. There's a couple cameras I got out there that just annual checkups. You know, once a year, I bring new batteries and a card, and yep. see what happened all year long. Way back in the mountains somewhere. Anyway, that snag, dead standing tree, fruited, and uh, this doe came back every single day and never ate it all. Just a little bit each day, a little bit, a little bit. Till finally, she, she was reaching up as high as she could on her hind legs. About two weeks later, and you could tell that the fungus was just. You know, decomposing and yeah. she's still getting the last little bit out of it. So it's pretty cool how she paced herself because obviously she could have de- devoured it all. Yeah. Gorged herself. Yeah, well, it, was, it was the idea of why I put
3: the camera in, in front of it because I remember that story and I wanted to see, you know, if they yeah. did browse it a little bit. So
1: and then I had a second occasion. I was following a buck's track once. I was hunting him down. He was a nice big old buck. I could tell by his footprint. But way back in the mountains and he was walking in a straight line everywhere I followed them. Just on a mission. It was deep, deep snow, not reason to waste energy. And um, every so often, he'd veer off in a left-hand turn, about 10 steps, go exactly, he knew exactly where it was. Paw down, dig down in, eat a mushroom, walk his same footsteps right back to his path and then keep going in a straight line and he did that four five six times it was amazing i yeah. could so he he knew he like he had scouted out where those mushrooms were before the snow fell yeah. and knew that was going to be his emergency food and
2: well wow. that's nature they're lifeline man they really cool if they don't know that they're not going to make it and that's why big smart old bucks yeah yeah they're, they're not easy to 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 catch that's for sure <laughs> yep well, he yeah. almost got a zinger
1: sent past him i saw him i caught up with him and we were both surprised to see each other yeah <laughs> he got away yeah. <laughs> anyway so the, tonight every th- third wednesday of the month we talked to gary Mead about a different tree species here in the catskills and some other topics but tonight <clears throat> gary wanted to pick yellow poplar or tulip poplar yep and right here in margaretville or excuse me uh, roxbury where this station's sitting um You're probably not going to find one unless it was planted. It would be rare if you did. Cool sighting, but um, yep. you get into uh, Southern Catskills, Eastern Catskills, anything past High Mount, heading towards Kingston, down the Twenty Eight Line, Ulster County, Southern Ulster. They like
2: waterways.
1: Yeah, the Asopas, Wallkill, yeah. um, <laughs> and then all the way down the Appalachian Spline. We'll talk about where it grows soon, but uh, that's where you're going to find tulip poplar. There's one in Delhi that I know of, but I know that was a planted tree. There's one in margaretville that got cut last year; that was
2: a planted tree. Yeah, now, well they're only planted on this side and the yeah. Indians used them on their longhouses back in the day And the bark lasts 60 to 80 years outdoors untreated and I'm siding my house with it and I wanted to talk tonight about it because you know, I'm putting a new workshop in New and it's a 40 by uh, 44, 30 by 44 <clears throat> two story gambrel and the bottom I use vertical hardwood siding, all mixed hardwoods and, and the the gables i'm going to use glass and and tulip bark but my my the whole my whole house is going to be tulip poplar bark i'm i'm i design i have it in a gallery i have a sample of it but it's like a like a shake siding and it's beautiful stuff and like i say it lasts treated it a lot last vinyl and it's a natural wood product so yeah for reference
1: it looks uh you can't visualize it. It's a deep furrowed bark tree, um, kind of like you'd find furrows on a black walnut. It looks like a lot like an ash, but yeah. deeper, more pronounced furrows to it.
2: And also a cottonwood. It's uh, a lot of people get cottonwood mixed up with uh, with the tulips, and but in the spring you can definitely define mm-hmm. a cottonwood because it just for. You know, when people in the spring see all that uh, stuff floating around in the air, it looks like dandelions. But it's, uh, you know, I tell them, dandelions, unless it's a real windy day, it doesn't come from the sky. It kind of lays on the ground. It's lower. When you see something 20 feet, 30 feet in the air coming at you, it's it's a Mm -hmm. cottonwood and uh i mean i have two trees by my gallery down at the mill and and they produce a lot of you know there's there's like it and you know along the edge of the grass where the the grass meets the dirt you know it kind of lands and the wind blows and, and it looks like almost like a snow drift uh, it gets so thick but you so, know it's
3: so if uh yeah to, this tulip poplar doesn't grow on, around here where do you get yours gary to get the bar well, i went
2: over uh actually i uh that uh uh that log distributor over on uh two o nine tri state tri state yep yeah i i knew the uh, you know one of the loggers that or not loggers but he was a a buyer and he set the yard up and i actually bought a a load of tulip logs in the beginning i was going out and following loggers around the woods and that was a lot of work (laughs) and because they you know they said once it and they they come to the landing and i would cut them up on the landing but see it was a time and and i was running the mill at the time and i had to do this you know weekends and holidays and you know so finally i just bought a a load of logs from tri-state and and you know the guy that brought them in he said geez what are you doing with all this tulip and i said i bought it for the bark <laughs> and he goes what but the wood is beautiful and you know these logs were you know some of them were 36 40 inch in diameter they they grow huge in diameters these things
1: yeah um, yeah they're fast growing trees one of the tallest trees in the woods Yep. um they can get on average two to three feet some bigger Yep. and uh, strays and arrow not many branches till you reach the top so they make beautiful beautiful lumber timber
2: yeah and but you know the the lumber comes out of them don't last two years outdoors it rots right away what's funny the bark will last 60 to 80 years outdoors and you know the indians discovered that see on this side of the hill the the uh, indians on when they made their long houses or shelters they used the hemlock and hemlock they that'll last 40 to 60 years outdoors untreated. So, uh, you know, it's still a good bark. So when I make, you know, I build my house and I side it with the tulip bark, I'm, you know, all the gables and, and you know, the soffits and all that, I'm going to be using hemlock for that uh, because it'll give me two colors in my house. And, you know, the, the tulip is kind of grayish, uh Brownish, grayish, uh, with the lichen on it, and you know I, I had I have some in the gallery. It's been you know I harvested four years ago, and I was wondering if the lichen was going to stay on, it and it does. Yeah, you know, once it's dry, it, you know I have to kiln dry it, so it kills it, but it's, it stays on it, it's, and it's very beautiful. And I leave the blue, you know, when they mark the trees to cut them, and you know then you have the chain. The choke chains that you, know, grips you left them. all that on there. i leave all that on there it's history
1: yeah and it's tells the it, story right
2: it does yep and uh, so how do you go about harvesting tulip poplar bark well we have we peel bark or anybody can peel bark usually april may june july starts getting a little sketchy the end of July August you know it really starts tightening back onto the log but when the sap is flowing at it's heaviest point which uh, you know starts flowing in April and then May I would say May and June would be the easiest times to peel that's when I was uh, peeling it and uh, I tell you, have bark spuds and I was blessed to get a an antique bark spud called a beaver tail from joe hewitt and when i was peeling the bark i i was up getting honey from joe and he says uh i was telling him about this project i was doing this uh you know harvesting bark and he goes he said you know i i got out in the shop he said i got this uh barks bud some old fella gave to him and he said i'll lend it to you but i want it back and i said fine so he got it, had a white oak handle. Uh it was it was like the handle of a shovel with the grips in it and you know, the guys and the whole thing was hand hammered. You can still see the hammer marks and rolled over and what a it's just a in my world it's one of the most beautiful things works of art you could imagine. It was all handmade. So I needed two of them, so I went down the line to a, a chainsaw shop, and I called them there in Shokan at the time, and I uh, I, I called and they had one there, and I said, I'm looking for a beaver tail bark spot. Said, yeah, we got one here. And the difference in the new ones and the old one, it's just like, I mean, this was has a hickory handle, it's very beautiful, but it's a lot narrower, and it's just... You know, it has a nice curve to it, and it works, because you need two to peel the bark. So, my shingles are, uh, I needed 52, 54-inch strips, so I put the logs up on a, two logs going the opposite direction. I had a, a log turner there, and a uh, can't hook, they call them, and I I rolled it, and I just took my chainsaw and cut, you know, I'd mark it out all the way down, and I'd roll it a little and, and just cut just till you hit the wood all the way around then i did one long cut when i got those all marked and cut and then i'd start with my bark spuds and once you got it over the top of the log the bark just kind of flopped on the ground and then i put it on pallets i use 40 by 48 pallets and stickers i put about six inches apart because when you peel bark from a tree all it wants to do is curl up' it's, it's natural I mean that's what it does naturally and that's what it wants to do and you know I made a pallet about four foot 50 inches 52 inches tall and and when I put them in the kiln what I would do is uh, I put a row of bark on the bottom row and then I would pile lumber you know two rows of lumber so you put you know a ton or two ton of weight on it while it's drying, and when it dries, it's amazing stuff because it comes out of the kiln and you put it through the rip saw, you cross cut it with your cross cut saw, just uh, like it worked like a board, just like working yeah. lumber. You, yeah. s- you gave me a little piece
1: of an off cut that cracked or something on it. It was amazing what that was like. It was oh, like holding the
2: board. Yep, yeah. and it <clears throat> machines like a board, and, mm-hmm. it, and then you know I put a drip edge on it, so I you know I I put my table saw on a. I think it was a five or six degree angle, and you know, I stood them up uh, vertical, and I pushed them through. And, and uh, tulip bark has growth rings in it, huh. and I, kn- I you can see them in the sample I have in the. And I never knew that a, a bark had growth rings in it until you know I, I did this, and I said, "Holy shit!" There's some growth rings in in the bark, but other you know I use two types of bark. I also use hickory bark. And hickory bark's different, and it it doesn't last outdoors, but it's uh, it's a superior project, and you know what, that's what a kind of
3: hickory?
2: Pig, nut. pig nut. The shag bark is too flaky, right? But the pig nut is because Paul, you know, I just happened onto that because when I was harvesting bark, you know, Paul Crickon he's always you know kind of paying attention to what I'm doing and and call me when. You know things are awesome in the woods, and he said I'm up here in Wolf Hollow and I'm I'm harvesting hickory. He said that I heard you're getting bark, and he said the, the you know the the logs are sliding right out of the bark, and he said you know we peel it off before we take it to the mill because it's a, it's a highway hazard when in the spring when you know it just sheets of it will fly right off the logs going down the highway. But he had a big pile there, but I you know it was it was all. I couldn't get it. So he let me peel some from the logs and and uh you know, I I uh, I dried that and you know, I use it for table bases. It's so strong. It's like fiberglass. But that's when we talk about hickory. I'll go into more detail on that. But
3: how, uh, how thick are these uh uh tulip poplar shingles cuz I know hemlock bark's pretty thick.
2: <clears throat> hemlock and tulip well, you know, as a tree grows at the base it's it's probably an inch and a half thick, hmm. and they get up, you know, maybe, you know, some of it's probably two inches. So when I actually put it on my house, I have, a, I have pallets of it. So when I put it on pallets, all of the stuff at the at the base of the tree, the you know, where it started growing the the the, uh, uh, the first log and the bottom where the bark was bigger i put that on the pallet and then the you know the next and i just put it on pallets. so when i put it on my house i'm going to put it on like a tree grows it's going to be the thicker stuff on the bottom and as it goes up to the to the eaves it, it'll get you know just uh, like it's smaller up by you know the the higher up the tree cuz it's not as old so uh and uh, the the hickory does the same thing but hickory bark isn't that is not near as thick but it's so strong and durable Hickory bark is I went to to uh, uh, here we go off on hickory but anyway I went to debark my first hickory log it was in the spring of the year and I threw that 35 horsepower machine on this log and to peel the bark before it went into the mill and <clears throat> it just it, it, it was like a, trying to Peel string and it wrapped around the pulley and, and it, it shut and the, and it shut this you know carbide grinding machine right down. It stopped it and I had to push the off switch and I unwound it and and I said, "Holy smoke, this stuff is like." Uh. So after that, I had to do a different pattern to to debark hickory. But you know the that's another thing that I learned from what the Indians did about you know because uh, they would hickory and they use the wood for in the spring for you know cooking and that and they use uh, the bark it's like fiberglass threads in it and they peel them out that's what they use for sewing their tents and and moccasins and all that stuff with and it's pretty amazing stuff it's so um, it's it's stellar it shut a 35 horse machine down so anyway but you could do a cordage with tulip bark too i was reading earlier you could do cordage in that. Mm-hmm. I never had a problem. Well, see, I I sawed these logs every time I got tulip in. See, that's why I don't know about that because when I got tulip in, I know it's a it's a strong wood. The bark is very strong and stellar. But you know, every tulip log I ever got in, I I peeled the bark and saved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, even in the winter time. If it was cut in the winter, I'd let it sit till spring. And if you let a log sit out, you know, for five or six months out in the weather, it, all the the bark comes off every log but at that point. And, right. But if if you're just harvesting bark and you want to get it off, to, you know, same time you cut it, you cut it in the spring. And if you want the bark to stay on, you cut it in February. <clears throat> and not all trees that uh, hickory and uh, you know, the birches and hemlock, too, if you cut in February, the bark just... it's so fastened to the wood that... and, you know, the, the tree and the bark, you know, the wood and the bark will shrink. Because uh, most table bases, uh, I use natural, you know, sticks for six to eight inches in diameter for table bases. You know, when I put them in the kiln, the bark falls right off. But, you know, if you harvest something in... uh, uh I mean they make a lot of hickory furniture that bark on hickory. But it's all you know, you gotta cut it in February. Any other year it'll come off but so and the tulip wood is uh it's easy to work. It's really pretty. They use it mostly for I mean, I would use it for ceilings and walls. You know, a floor in your bedroom would be you know, if you had, you know, eighteen to twenty four inch wide boards would be pretty spectacular. And uh
1: i would say it's a wood that's um soft and workable kind of like pine but has no knots in it it's always clear and
2: yeah it does have some pin knots in it but yeah but not you know, like a pine knot no not like a big old pine knot no but you know and it it does work it's it's probably twice as hard as pine because uh, it is a hardwood and but i think the hardest the hardest thing I ever hit with my sawmill was a pine knot. It was about six-inch knot, and it shot my 30 horsepower mill. It just stopped it, and it was a big red knot. And very, you know, when they're red, they're healthy. When they're black, they're they're dead. And you know the red ones. You know if anybody's ever shopping for you know white pine, and they're worried about you know the knots falling out. If you see a black knot. Or a gray knot, it's going to fall out. Uh, but if you see a red knot, it's not. It won't fall out. But I hit this thing, and I was back. To, you know, I've hit hardwood knots, and hardwood knots aren't near as hard as uh, a big old red white pine knot. But the tulip, it's sawed nice. It doesn't dull your blades. It's uh, it's real easy to work, and it's. Uh, but, but you know, it's a, it's a high traffic area. You don't want to use it in, in your in, in your mudroom or in your kitchen or even a bathroom on the floor. But in your bedroom where you're always wearing your socks and like that, make it beautiful because it's so pretty. It's absolutely, and it ambers up like a, a if you get light to it, it it's kind of looks like the inside of a cucumber when you first. It's kind of got that greenest tinge. <laughs> Sapwood is white. And, uh... Wow, ninety-five uh, percent of all sapwood is white. But it, uh, uh, if you let the light get to it over time, it, it looks like uh, it'll look like maple. Because hmm. you know, I I have a, a tool cabinet I made out of live edge tulip in my shop, my workshop. It gets a lot of light in there. I i think i i made this about two or three years ago and it looks just like maple and people see it and they think it's maple it's got that color it just got that maple looking color and like i say when you first saw it it looks like it's kind of a greenish like at the inside of a cucumber and uh it's a uh it's a light wood and it's it's got a lot of cross grain strength it doesn't break easy you know it'll bend but it won't break and uh you know it's it's has long i guess the cellular structure like more like braids than choppy you know some woods are uh i know i was absolutely surprised when because uh how weak teak is on a cross grain strength i mean it lasts a long long time outdoors and you know, we got teak in years ago, and we were unloading those containers. Sometimes we'd have to, the pallets are so low to the floor we couldn't get the pallet jack, so we'd have to, you know, set up a little, uh, you know, we get a board and a block and try to pick it up and shim it up so we get the pallet jack, and I I grabbed a sick quarter piece of teak one day, and shoved it on there and pushed down on it and i fell right to the floor because the thing broke and i go holy smoke so i went and got my white oak <laughs> and that didn't break no i
1: bet not <laughs> it did not
2: break oh
1: anyway this is from the forest every wednesday 6 to 7 p.m talk about a different forest related topic tonight is the third wednesday of the month so we're talking to gary mead different tree species tonight is tulip poplar yellow poplar and uh we'll be right back
4: Been? hey mr in the mirror where's my friend i went out on the town and i ain't seen him since hey hey where you been well i shuffled off to the side i took her right outside the lights and I stopped to greet a stranger at the wall Hey feller, me and my friend could we come on in? I heard in here they like to them tall. Can stick into my clothes So wait around till the end Or oh, said I'd stay till dead Everybody in here knows that's how it goes. McKee.
1: This <laughs> is from the forest every wednesday six to seven p.m we talk about a different tree species forest species tree topic forest topic anything forest yeah. related at uh, 91.3 fm and every third wednesday we talk to gary specifically about a tree here in the catskill region and tonight is yellow poplar tulip poplar why do they call it tulip tree the leaves are shaped like a tulip that's right you pass yeah I, yeah they're pretty cool they uh I don't know. They come out with uh, two lobes at the bottom, and it looks like the leaf just got cut off at the top, kind of like a if it was a big maple leaf and then just got cut off. Yep. And gives it that tulip shape.
3: Yeah. Little yep. notch at the end there. Um, glossy <laughs> leaf,
1: a little bit. What people don't often know is that this tree flowers, and it's got a really big, beautiful flower. But like we talked about earlier in the show, it's one of our tallest trees. Yep. So uh, when it flowers, it's usually way
2: up, and people aren't looking up. Yep. really. Well, i got to get my book, look up, my first, second tree book, look up. That's right. Yeah, what
3: they usually find in the ground is the the petals that have finally fallen off. Yep. Those have that.
2: And John was just saying he, he was at a member's uh, place, and there was a lot of stuff, yucky stuff, on, <laughs> on the deck. And, and the so member said, you know, what is causing this? And John looked up and said, well, tulip trees are dripping sap i didn't know that they dripped a nectar
1: out of the flower but it makes sense they're so yep. big um and that's something i learned that day yeah and yeah he it was funny because he was trying to stain his deck is what he was doing and he was <laughs> only was... about half done and he said every day i come out and you have to wash it and clean it and then i let it dry and i come back out the next
2: day again it's and weird. it's
1: covered again so he <laughs> said you better wait until this is done flowering and yep. you'll be just fine after that
2: yeah now i'm not sure i i have to ask joe hewitt this but you know well, if they put uh, hives in, in uh, tulip stands where they where they're flowering because I know a lot of trees they follow around the spring and through the summer and mm. and uh, and you know different blooms you know they put their hives in there to get a certain taste and but I never I never asked them about tulip I know uh, they favored basswood and they mm. favored uh, uh, black locust and actually a cherry bloom they they you know if they had a lot of cherry in one spot they put their hives in them too and the cherry blossoms were awesome this year they didn't last very long because as soon as they come on they were here about a week and then the heavy rains come and, and it, it just they just turned black and fell off but cherry blossoms are very long and and i mean they're 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 so beautiful and they're flavorful and they're they're very fragrant but you know, i, I got to ask Joe when I see him next about... Uh, I should go see him. I haven't seen him in a while. Well, uh, Ryan did the research for this show and gave me a little sheet
1: right here in front of me. And on his notes, he circled that uh, one tree, It produces a significant amount of nectar, which we just agreed with. Right. And one 25-year-old tree can amount to 4.4 pounds of honey. Wow. So it sounds like uh, bees bees do prefer them.
2: I think they do. <laughs> so I wonder if, if uh, um, when I talk to Joe, I'm going to uh, see if he. Well, they're like they're not around here so much. So he probably, you know, he most did most of his hives out in the Sahari Valley. But I know back in the day, he used to travel like a hundred mile radius setting his, his wow. uh, bee box, So he probably did find a, yeah, he probably a stand did find a somewhere.
1: Stand, yeah. You don't have to go that far. I mean, once you get around the Ashokan Reservoir, you're going to find
2: them. Oh, well, we can, you know, down just over Pine Hill, once you get down. Oh, yeah, I just mean in abundance, though. Yeah, you right. get in that yeah. river
1: valley, and yeah.
3: they're all over there. And there's ones I've seen is around Shokan, uh, Olive Bridge. Yeah. They're always mixed in with uh, oaks, hickories, pines, even.
1: Yeah. calipa. Um, yeah. maple i 've seen them with too um, it seems they they really prefer a well drained site with nutrient rich soils so and a lot so, of water moist sites, yeah they don 't like to be in in they, water
2: though they don 't not to be sitting, but they like to have access to water right, yeah, I think a, you know an average tree drinks about twenty five gallons of water a day, yeah, I believe it
3: so. yeah they they like these cove, like cove <laughs> sites too, like the biggest one i 've ever found was um uh, West Shokan. there's a lot of ledges there, rock ledges, and, and one of them goes down to like this uh, forest of uh, oaks and hickories and some poplars in there. But it's got a big uh, tulip poplar there, one of the biggest ones I've ever seen. It's humongous. But it, yes, it's a low-lying area.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, hundred hundred years old, eighty to hundred years old, they they start you know uh, topping out at that don't they i I don't think they get to be 200 years old or anything like that i
1: don't don't know i don't know what their maximum honestly is but um you know in just 50 years they can reach 100 120 feet that's what i'm saying that's what they do is they out compete not by being shade tolerant or um something else that other trees you know uh maybe allelopathic or other other reasons they just outgrow and get tall fast
3: that's why they have that quality one that because they don't have a lot of limb wood they just grow straight vertical
2: uh height they just grow to the sun yeah
1: gary what else have you built with tulip i know you said that um you had a cart or a tool rack in your shop
2: well i built tool tool rack but i use it for i mean it's good for countertops and bathrooms and you know if you're not gonna yeah, you know, even kitchens i've done uh tulip because you know i have people come in and say i want something unusual and you know the customer and i take them around and i have samples of stuff laying out and i explain to them when it you know it's first i show them a plain piece and then i show something two years old hmm. say well this is a color it's going to get after two years it's not going to stay this color unless you keep it if you keep it in the dark it will right but the light oxidizes most woods and uh the only wood that i've come into that doesn't change color over time inside is butternut really and it just it's color it is when you put it in and if you put it outside it grays up but most woods outside will either gray up or turn black and the ones that turn black are rot and the ones that gray up It's a natural preservative that nature creates for wood that lasts a long time outdoors because the the gray color is a light color and it reflects the sun rather than absorbs it. And the woods that don't last outside, they turn black and they absorb so much heat during the day that the cells expand and then when they dry out, it just wears the wood out from the cells expanding, contracting and tulip isn't a good outdoor wood but it's good for pots porch posts and uh not for decking uh ceilings you know you can put a porch you know under a roof under your porch ceiling they make beautiful ceilings i used a bunch of it in my house in Arkville for my ceilings and uh do they get
3: any kind of interesting natural stains like pine will get like that blue stain some of it
2: well uh, it, the sapwood will get a blue stain in it, but the uh, I haven't I haven't seen it in that. But actually, everything will spalt when something starts to spalt. I mean, there's hard maple, and the the, the woods with more sugar in them spalt mm. the most because the sugar is what causes the. Uh, the, the fungal infection. The fungal infection and the and the colors.
3: So that spalting is like a flex in the wood caused by that uh, fungal infection?
1: Yeah. Just and the right amount of rot, Just that initial fungal attack.
2: Yeah, it doesn't and that's a compromise the The intent. more sugar, the more black you get, the yeah. dark lines. And uh, uh, but tulip I haven't I haven't seen well I've never had a log that set out long enough. I've I've ever had one come in where I sawed it because I always bought fresh tulip. I bought it for the bark. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I was running the do, the uh, the dolly mill making dolly parts, could no poplar. They didn't want poplar. Why? Because they had pneumatic. They had machines when they made dollies. They stapled four, two 5.5 by 18, two 4 by 30s on a conveyor belt. Then it went to the drilling machine. It drilled 16 holes in it. And then it went to the next machine and it put uh, 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 carriage bolts up through the bottom. And then these pneumatic, 16 at a time, they, they, these pneumatic uh, air uh, wrenches would come down and spin the nuts on.
1: Uh, So it was an automated assembly of... It
2: was automated, and they set the pressure, and what it would do is the tulip and the the basswood, of course, the carriage square part of the carriage bolt would spin, and they wouldn't tighten up. Uh Uh-huh. So they didn't like them. But, you know, some poplars came through, and they were hard like soft maple, Hmm. And I don't know why that was, but if I ever got a batch of it, and you know, I, you know, when you're playing it, you can tell right away. And uh, I don't know if it's because of the the tree was growing and died, and and I have no idea. But there were batches of poplar that I ran through, and I never got a complaint about it. Because mm-hmm. when I first started doing it, mm-hmm. basswood that never gets hard. But there were some poplar that I had come through with it you know i signed it out and i i never got a complaint about it but it, it just was a, a a fine line but you know every tree i mean they're all pretty much the same color and but it depends where they grow and what they're pulling out of the minerals and and their life i mean you know no no two trees are the same like anything else and you know you can have a stand on top of the mountain growing and down in the valley the the same stand it'll be a slightly different color and uh but over time when it oxidizes it all turns the same color it might be a different hardness up on the mountain it might be a little more tougher because it has to you know deal with tougher weather yeah and uh i found it's hard to color match
1: certain certain woods right say um oh yeah it is yeah um i had a piece that i was working on not too long ago it was wanted to utilize it was a routed piece right and they wanted to utilize some of the old piece with the new piece kind of commemorated thing right so I the color matching cherry and that's a lot harder to do than you think
2: oh yeah um color match well, cherries ones. if you put a piece of cherry out in the sun and put a, a stick across it in the morning and you pull that stick off at the end of the day <laughs> you can see the change in color already. Yeah. I mean, that's how fast cherry but, you know, what I tell people you know, I did tables for people and you know, cherry was the worst because, you know, you build you make them a cherry table and, and with leaves and they only put the leaves in at Thanksgiving and Christmas so, you know, I get the call around the holidays and, and uh, they would say, you know something happened to my leaves, they're a different color than a table and I said we can't put them in the closet. Where, wherever you store these, they have to have the same light that your table's getting to oxidize and the same uh, speed. So what I tell them is on a nice sunny day, well, it's kiln dried, and uh, it won't split and crack and warp and chip. And I said, put it right out in the sun, and in one day it'll put on three months of age. You know, just from you know your tables in the house out of the sun, it's just getting light, and you can age a piece of cherry three months and one day out there outside in the sun, and you know they want me to come and stain it. I said, ah, if I stain it, it, they'll never be the same color.
1: Did it work? were they happy or they just didn't oh, they call have... you back because they were frustrated with no, it no
2: they were happy well, That's good. But we got to make them happy or send them packing, and one or the other <laughs> <laughs> well if they don't listen they really need to leave but you know I've been doing it long enough and I know what I'm talking about and once somebody challenges my expertise I say you know these people just they're not, they're not going to get it and they, they need to get out of my world right now and that's, that's how I deal with it now because I used to bend over backwards and, and try to you know i don't know what i tried to do I tried to make them happy but you know if they're going to be ignorant about it there's that's not my problem Mm -hmm. so i just send them back and you know good luck good riddance and you know find somebody else and to that'll do it wrong because you can't stain something like that and try to you know i've had people that bought New houses, log cabins, and, you know, when the pictures come off the wall, they have all these colors, different light and dark, and they want me to come up and stain it to match, and I said, in one year, it'll be the same color, but you have to, you just have to deal with it for a year, I said, if I stain it, 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 it nothing's going to work out for you, it's always going to have, you're always going to see it said so I'm not I refuse I'm not staining it I said you can hire somebody else to do it and but I'm not doing it. it's the wrong thing to do I mean there's it's a fine line between doing something right and something wrong and and you know if you want in a hurry you do it wrong if you want to wait it usually gets done right but a year later they call me up and they go oh my god I can't believe how 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 right you were and how this just all you can't see him anymore and uh I said well you know that's you know, the, that's wood.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. It's, I mean, it's a living material, you know. It, it goes through changes and I guess we're not used to that in and, and yep. the modern world. Uh, materials are, you know, they they're yeah, made the, and then they keep their shape, they keep their color, hardness, nothing changes.
2: And it expands, it's, it's, it expands, it contracts and, you know, wood is, you know, one of the, the the beautiful things on the planet that when you cut it down, it gets to have a new life. And that's an amazing thing that always inspired me about wood because you know all these people that you know hate loggers and have a, a, a bad give them a bad rep in that these guys are doing the planet a favor and you know we're getting furniture out of it and, and when you cut a tree down it gets to have a second life and that is awesome mm-hmm. and you know what you guys always inspired me when i first heard you you know, coming on board what, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years ago. Cut the right tree was like your logo. And that's just it. I mean if a tree has to come down, it's gotta come down. But you you can it gets another life after that. It's just the respect after cutting it down that gives it that new life. You know, throwing it over a bank and just cutting it and letting it lay That, you know, it it adds to the landscape and it, you know, gives animals shelter and, you know, uh, mulches down and makes dirt and all that stuff, too. But, you know, to cut it and machine it and, and, you know, dry it and, you know, make it into a piece of furniture, you can take something, you know, 150 years old now that will last as long as it don't burn up or, you know get, you know, uh, put outside where it's going to deteriorate or sent to a grinder. It lasts, so uh, you know, as long as it's inside protected, it'll last forever. Except for black locusts, that'll last uh, outside for a long, long, long time. That's an amazing wood. But, you know, the tulips are, uh, they use it a lot for molding. And they use a lot of, you know, Actually, uh, aspirin. They use a lot of that in basswood. It, it's because it, it paints easy. It's a it's a closed grain, and it it paints easy. It stains easy, uh and you know it it machines easy. Mm-hmm. And you can run thousands, hundreds of thousands of board foot through a molder of molding, and you know it hardly even dulls the, you won't get chip out and tear you out you don't and, get any of that tear out and chip out and it, it's smooth and it, it sands so fast i mean you hit the you know most you know the the harder woods uh you know you need to like cherry and that you need to start with an 80 grit and sand them down and you know uh, maybe 60 on some of them and you know get them down to 100 or 120 then you start putting your finish on but you know poplar tulip you just hit that with 220 grit and it just it's ready for finish and uh you can actually put it through a, a you know a painting machine you know uh, i know down at excelsior they they do a lot of molding down there and a lot of that i mean, in, in Kingston in that area they get they have a lot of tulip down there so a lot of stuff they German molding they paint comes in it's it's all it's tulip and you know they run it through these painting machines it it's pretty amazing they send it through one machine it primes at both sides and it goes through another machine and comes out you know in, in three minutes just you know 16 foot you know many of them at uh, one time are painted and then they put them on the drying racks and-
1: yeah most people have seen tulip wood um if you go to a box store and look at their lumber rack in the hardwood section there's usually only a couple selections there right it's always going to find red oak you're always going to find sugar maple some stores are going to carry black cherry and they're always going to have tulip poplar yeah those four and they just
2: call them poplar
1: poplar that's all yep. they call them yeah
2: and it's really not even in the poplar family right and it's it's going to be the <laughs> it's it's going to
1: be the paint grade if you go in there and ask for paint grade wood, that's what they give you
2: yeah and uh I think you just got some paint grade tulip from me mm-hmm I did yeah yeah so. it's a beautiful coffee table today yeah awesome nice maple top to it yeah yeah and you know painting uh, you know I don't paint or stain but you know I'm not against it I just don't do it and uh, but you know I I have woods down there and and I've seen furniture that it's just not my art so I you know I do what you want to do and i'm i'm happy But i've seen you know furniture with uh, like a cherry or walnut or maple top with painted legs it's absolutely stunning because like uh... it just brings the the wood on the top out so much more Mm -hmm. and, and it makes the base seem more like opaque and almost you know invisible and uh... but you know it's anything you do with wood I have nothing against it. I used to do a lot of staining back when I did refinishing and uh, all that cuz I had you know a lot of stuff I had to stain to match different things and it, it was just uh, uh it was a different world back then but you know now if I want to change the color I change the species. And uh you know that's part of the, the what people love the most about my art that you know I don't make a table all the same color it's sometimes i do you know the spalted you know legs top and everything because that's it's so inspiring anyway but you know with uh you know you can mix cherry and walnut and you know i have the three nuts table at the gallery and it's beautiful all these different colors and it's inspiring and each one shows the other one like putting a frame around it and and making it Mm -hmm. special and it's really pretty neat, but, you know, uh, uh, tulips are cutting them, is, uh, cutting them down is, is, uh, you just got to make your hinge maybe a little bit thicker because the wood's not as, as, uh, uh strong as like a maple and, I mean, every tree species, uh, went cutting them. I'm not an expert at cutting by any means, but... You know, I know when you, uh, my son Mitch cuts a lot of trees, and I did take that uh, course. And I sent a cherry tree that had, a, I think, an eight-foot lean. I sent it the opposite way with wedges and, you know, the proper way to cut it, which was pretty amazing. But, you know, some trees that are, uh, uh, what's that center, the hinge, do they call that the hinge? Mm-hmm that on a uh, you know the softer woods needs to be a little bit wider because it's weak the wood is weaker and you you don't you don't want anything to jump off the stump i mean that's the most dangerous thing you can do and if anybody's trying to climb a tree and limit and think it's okay you're you're going to get hurt and it's it's not okay it's not easy and you can't only afford one accident but I have a poem I have to read before we get shut off here. I wrote this 7-13-23 at seven in the morning. This is called Universal Home. I would like to take us all to a universal home, a place where we'd all be safe from harm. If I only knew the way, I would take us all there today. I tried this road and that road with despair. A place where, just maybe, heaven and hell, could they be the same place? On a sunny morning, clothes will dry on the line, living alone, doing my own laundry. That is the thought I have all the time. Wish it were easy as this to find that place. Sometimes I sit and wonder if we have been broken into pieces. Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall. Things that I feel reminds me to keep searching. Musical artists playing peaceful songs in unison around the world made me think of this. And it brings a tear of joy to the corner of my eyes. And I would like to take us all to a universal home, a place where we would all be safe from harm. And if I only knew the way, I would... Take us all there today. I am afraid I have let us all down, and some of my dreams seem quite profound. We own our own hearts and souls, and I heard a voice that said to me, If not for all of you, I could not be anything. Voices of the mountains would not sing, and sometimes flames coming for you and I. And whatever comes, I have open arms, smiling eyes when you look at me. Makes me realize what you mean to me. When all are laughing happily, that is the best place we could ever be. Searching still for that universal home, a place where we would would all be safe from harm. If I only knew the way, I would take us all there today. And that's our show for this week, I guess, folks.
3: Beautifully said.
1: Gary, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. This is another show of from the forest on WIOX 91.3 FM. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight was the third Wednesday of the month. We usually get
2: Gary Mead on, talk about a different tree species. Tonight was yellow poplar. All right. Peace, everybody. Good, and good night, everybody. Gary-Mead.com will bring you to my website. And I'll if you're plug. in Margaville. Definitely come see the gallery.
1: Gotta go see Gary's gallery, everybody. Peace. Good night, everyone.
5: His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. And the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street, Faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway, and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in from the forest. Up a dark and dingy staircase, the old man made his way, his ragged coat around him. Upon his cot he lay And he wondered how it happened That he'd ended up this way Getting lost like a fool In the forest And as he lay there sleeping A vision did appear Upon his mantle shining The face of one so dear Frizzled fingers, and she called him by his name. And then he heard the joyful sound of children at their games in an old house on a hillside in some forgotten town.